0: Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D.
1: Yeah, you know me. We're down with D. <coughs> Welcome to Down with D. My name's Sean Merwin, and today my co-host is one of the amazing Cobalt Press team editor Megan Markle. Thank you for coming on the show to share your knowledge with us.
0: Woo-hoo. Thank you for having me. This is exciting.
1: I can't wait to talk Cobalt Press and editing and especially talking about the underworld and the empire of the ghouls with
2: you. Oh, yes.
1: Now, I believe you've been on the show before, but in case people don't remember who you are, could you tell us who you are and what you do in the D&D world?
0: Uh, I am Megan Markle, and I am an editor for Cobalt Press, and that's pretty much what I do in the D&D world, is I I make other people's awesome work look cleaner.
1: You didn't say awesomer.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Should I have said You know awesomer? why?
1: Because you're an editor. Because <laughs> yeah. you know better, because I would have been all awesomer, but you... <laughs> You have it together, Reagan. You do. I
0: mean, I can start saying I make things awesomer if you'd like.
1: Yeah. Okay, all right. Then I'll probably get edited some at some point. Yeah, but, probably. Uh, it can't hurt to try. <laughs> so, so how long have you been with Cobalt Press?
0: Um, officially, it'll be a year in July. Uh, unofficially, because okay. uh, uh, <laughs> I I freelanced with them for a bit, for about a year before then. So I guess about two and a half years or so.
1: I was going to say I know it's been more than a year because I've been working with you for <laughs>
0: yes yeah yeah I think it's been almost three years total as far as uh, stuff that I've been doing with them but as far as being a, a more permanent Cobalt it's only been about a year.
1: Mm-hmm. So t- I want to talk a little bit about Cobalt Press and then a little about a little bit about your personal experiences. Sure. Um, so could you give us some background on Cobalt Press in general? You know, who they are, what they do, uh, you know, whatever you want to. You know, your your PR spiel about Cobalt Press.
0: PR spiel. Goodness. I'm the editor, Sean. I mean, I don't I don't have to talk to the, the people up in the front. Well, I do at the conventions, but yes.
1: <laughs> I've seen you at the desk. Yeah, I've seen you at the booths. So I know that you can do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Brave Friend at is Cobalt Press. We are a third party publishing company for Dungeons and Dragons products. Um at one point we did do Pathfinder stuff as well. And so we have a lot of Pathfinder and Dungeons and & Dragons, or Pathfinder 1, sorry. I probably should have specified mm-hmm. that. Uh, but right now, a lot of our focus is on 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, we are most famously known right now for our Tome of Beasts and Creature Codex. They're mm-hmm. our big monster books. Uh, we finished up our Kickstarter for Tome of Beasts 2, so our third big monster book. Uh, finished that up in, I think, February or March this year. And then we have a big spell book that should be releasing sometime later this year, sometime soon-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I think, kickstarted back in October, if I remember the dates correctly. So yeah, a lot of the content that we create is meant to be used in any world or any setting, right? Like we, uh, we like to make it to where our monsters are really cool and you can throw them in your homebrew game or you can throw them if you wanna play in like the realms or something, put it wherever. We like to keep ourselves mm-hmm. relatively open for that. Uh, that being said, we do have our own world, um, Midgard mm-hmm. and um, it just because it's called Midgard doesn't mean it's just Norse. A lot of people right. immediately assume that when they see me at the booth they're like, so you guys are like a Norse setting? Like no, we have Norse stuff but right. um, yeah, our Midgard setting is very much uh, kind of what's one of our designers said once was he's like take the history of the world in like the 1300s, 1400s and then put mm-hmm. like this fantasy yeah. haze across it and that's kind of a a very light way of describing Midgard but yeah we like to yeah. to do to play with real world histories and real world um cultures and kind of bring give a fantasy spin to them
1: yeah th- there's sort of a a uh, Egyptian part of the world too yes. right that that's very uh like the Sahara Desert and and that sort of the the mythos that goes along with that
0: right yeah, we do have our entire Southlands section. I mean, part of it's Egypt, but there's a lot of the, in the Southlands, they, the people who created it focused a lot on uh, the history of a lot of the different African countries, right? Because there's more to mm-hmm. Africa than just Egypt. Um, sure. So, and But Egypt's what a lot of people think of, right? Especially ancient Egypt with uh, the cool gods and their history and everything. Um, but we have an entire continent, the Southlands. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. And
0: that one, we we had a Pathfinder book that came out for that one. So there's a lot of, that's where a lot of the lore for that is. Um, and yeah, so the, the world is big and expansive. Um, so we put out content and, for that as well.
1: And your kobold in chief is Wolfgang Bauer, correct? Yes.
0: Oh yes. I probably should have mentioned that. Kobold in chief is Wolfgang Bauer.
1: Yep. And so he has a, a history with d d uh, not just with Kobold Press, but with TSR and Wizards of the Coast. Uh, correct. Going back a ways. Quite a ways, yes. Yeah. And uh if I'm if I remember correctly, the first D D adventure that came out for fifth edition, the first hardcover adventure, I should say, um, was the Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, which were done by the folks at Cobalt Press.
0: Correct, yes. From my understanding, that was before I was with Kobold, but from my understanding, um, the official d and team was working on finalizing the rules and all of that. So they had Kobold come in and be like, hey, here's the rules, do a cool adventure with it. Um, mm-hmm. So they commissioned Kobold to, to do that adventure. So that is the first adventure that we've done um, with Wizards of the Coast. And then a lot of our designers, Wolfgang included, uh, worked on Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Yeah, of
1: that's right well. too. So there is a a connection between Wizards and Cobalt Press that goes back a ways, both through Wolfgang and through the work that's been done since Fifth Edition came out. Yes, sir. So uh, when you talk about Fifth Edition, you can't not mention Cobalt Press because of of that connection, but plus of all the great stuff that's come out uh, for for Five E from Cobalt since. But let's let's leave Cobalt behind for a second. Let's talk about you.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: what uh, what brought you into D&D? Uh,
0: so do you like officially or do you want to go like back all the way to the beginning?
1: The answer is yes. <laughs> I want both. I want to know what got you started with D&D, then how you got into the industry from there.
0: Uh, Well, in a roundabout way, uh, Bill Slaviksek, technically. Okay. So he put out an adventure or he was one of the, the lead writers on an adventure called Council of Worms. I think it released in 93, 94, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was a seven, eight-year-old sometime around then. And I really, really liked dragons. And my mom and my stepdad, they kind of met in college by playing Dungeons & Dragons. So they were both big D&D nerds to begin with. Um, But it was never anything, because it was something that, you know, that was mom's night out, right? Like that's how she Mm -hmm. met my stepdad and that's how she met a lot of her friends. And, you know, we were at the babysitter. Mom had her, you know, once a week night out. Right. right. And, uh, but then after they got married and we moved and we were kind of away from their friends um, shortly around that same time was when Council of Worms came out and my stepdad and my mom were like, you know what, we should get the kids involved because uh, I had a, a younger brother at the time. Or I I mean, I still have a younger brother, but yes, we were both, we were both there. And, uh, and of course it was a way cause my stepdad wanted to, to have a way to kind of bond with us and get to know us and things like that. So, uh, sure. so yeah, we, we started playing, um, and it was kind of a, you know, first we we're like, oh, well, that's that's the grown-up thing, right? Like, that's the game the grown-ups play. Why would we be interested in that? But then it was mm-hmm. like, well, you can play a dragon. And I was like, I'm sold. Yeah, I want to play a dragon. <laughs> uh, so yes. we played a campaign where we were baby dragons, and we were like little dragon wormlings, and we ran around and... Caused all kinds of havoc, and it was great, and you know. But we were good aligned. We were trying to help people, but we were also baby dragons, and not very good at helping people. And,
1: yeah, yeah. You might burn a thing or two
0: down, <laughs> right? You know. And we kept yeah. uh, one. Of, my stepdad played this this gold dragon that was he was he was the grown up kid, right? He he was mm-hmm. the slightly older right. wormling, and uh, he got us in a bar fight the first night, <laughs> and that was fun. Then we got thrown in jail, and we were like, "What? This is awesome!" So then we thought jail was was a den. And that's where we wanted Mm. to sleep, uh, with, uh, but then, you know, the sheriff was like, well, you have to do bad things to go into jail. So we would help people, but then every night we would get in fights so that we could go back in the jail and that's where we would sleep at night. And it was great. Um, and I don't know what we were trying what they were teaching us as kids that jail is where you sleep, but you know, that's, that's how it was. (laughs) But, uh, then yeah. So after that, I was just kind of sold. Right. Like I, I loved it. Um, And I was even a math nerd too. So for me, Thacko was an exciting thing to calculate. Uh, My brother, not so much. (laughs) Uh So my brother really liked looking at the um, Encyclopedia Magica. I don't know if you remember those, but there were these little soft cover like blue and red books that were just full of like magic items and stuff. And my younger brother was always like, I want this one and I want this one. So then um, at the time my mom was DMing. So uh, there were a few things that she would throw in, you know, because there were things that he thought were just and it's the goofy magic items, right the, the little ones right. that you wouldn't think would be a big deal, right right uh,
1: but cool to have
0: right and you know, the kind of stuff that kids would right. like right yep. like I can talk to this and it talks back like my brother's favorite spell ever was magic mouth oh like yeah. he would put magic mouth on everything just to like talk to the wall or talk to the rock or whatever um so yeah it was it was a lot of fun and so for me d and d was always that kind of family bonding thing after that mm. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. have been playing ever since. You know, I went from Second Edition yeah. to Third Edition with some friends in high school. Uh, continued on with those same friends for 3.5, and Pathfinder, and some of those same friends I still play Fifth Edition with.
1: Nice. And so, what made the what helped you make the jump from uh, what just a player to being actually an editor and and a person within the field?
0: Well, I already wanted to go into editing. So I was in college. That's my degree is in creative writing um, And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the field that I wanted to go into Um, Unfortunately, I was not able to get anywhere in any type of like editing for newspapers and stuff like that And because that's where I was like, well, I want to be an editor. It needs to be for a magazine or newspaper That's how you go about this thing Mm -hmm. Sure And that was not working out Um, So I ended up having other jobs, right? And in the meantime, I heard about Wayfinder, which is a free fanzine uh, mm-hmm. for Pathfinder. Yep. And I started, and since it's all free or whatever, they don't pay anybody. But uh, I reached out to them after I found out they existed. I was like, "Hey, do you guys need editors? You know, because they most things that are like that are searching for writers, right? They reach out for writers. Yeah. Trying to be yep. an editor in this industry is like, who do you even talk to, right? Right. Right. Um, So yeah, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, do you guys actually need editors? Do you have on-staff editors? Like, what what do you do? And they're like, heck yes, come edit for us. So I did. And with Wayfinder, they used to be quarterly. So I did a few of the, I edited a few of their, um, I mean, I was one of several editors with them for that. Uh, Now they're Mm -hmm. yearly. But it was at a Pyzocon after I had done, um, I had added, I think, three or four issues for Wayfinder. Mm -hmm. And at Pyzocon one year, uh, I went and we sat in, my friend and I sat in on a panel that Wolfgang was running with Dan Dillon mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the panel was. Cause I was just so like, I was a ball of nerves the whole time. Cause my friend had <laughs> told me, it's like, Hey, that's, that's Wolfgang Bauer. He runs Cobalt Press. You should, you should totally give him your business card. Like you, you have business cards now. You should totally do that. I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I printed it, but all I've done is a few things of wayfinding. He's like, no, you got to do it. So that was pretty much our entire conversation, that entire panel. So I'm very sorry for, like, I I did not pay attention at all to that entire panel.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Wolfgang Bauer is here right now. What? Yes, he is knocking on our podcast door. And Wolfgang is here. Hey, Wolfgang.
2: Hey, Sean.
1: Thank you for joining
2: us. Yeah, I know. I can't tell time apparently T-
1: time time is a construct and especially uh in this time day and age but yes we were just talking about megan's um first time getting ready to introduce herself to you uh, uh. and and it was at a uh, at a panel right i remember yeah yeah
0: Sean, so, sean's uh, making me embarrass myself by telling myself telling my story of how i got into D.
1: her origin story wow. yeah Oh,
2: origin stories are the best though. (laughs) And, and so as a, uh, as,
1: you know, as a person who runs a business that is publishing game material, Wolfgang, what, what do you say when people come up to you, hand you their business card and say, hi, I'm an editor. Can I help you? You How do you handle that? What's.
2: Well, I mean, it never hurts to be polite. I, (laughs) I've done this a long time, right? Like I started getting freelancer business cards uh, at the Milwaukee gen cons when I was working on dragon magazine. Yeah. And, and sometimes I would look at the business card and it would be a name I'd recognize and I'd look up at them. And I'd, I, don't know, I was a very junior editor then maybe I had a slight deer in the headlights look, <laughs> um, because I'm like, I have just met, you know, yeah. Famous freelancer. Right. Um, And other times I would look and I'd say, okay, great. Good to meet you. And I would ask them what they've done uh, and what they're looking to do and try to get some sense of, do I ever want to work with this person? (laughs) Uh, And in Megan's case, the answer was, huh, this person seems with it and together. Um, And then the convention carried on after the panel. And I don't think I actually... We didn't work together that year after you introduced yourself, right? It was like the following uh, year? No,
0: it was I think 2 or 3 months you reached out. There was something you gave me a, a test thing to edit.
1: Uh, yes. And then you gave I me follow up stuff
0: that I thought was more test stuff that ended up going into the world book. So I guess it wasn't right. a test No, at that, that wasn't
2: point. No, no, at that point it's like I, I need the help. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean that's pretty standard with freelancers too right hand them the first project as the one of i don't know if this goes south it's okay we can fix it um and then and then see well i guess my strategy with editors is usually throw them way into the deep end because <laughs> that's that's
1: where, gonna anyway, so they <laughs> that's where they're going to live anyway so that's where
2: they're going to live anyway they're going to be like the freelancers already going to be like behind schedule with a partial turnover that didn't follow the style guide. So you know get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Get tough from the from the go. Right. There's no uh, crying in editing. <laughs> no, absolutely But there not. there is
1: crying in, in writing.
2: Uh, oh, there is. And sometimes the editors are the ones, you know, saying, yeah. not good enough. I'm throwing this back. Yeah. So, I've
0: that, never that's... made anybody cry.
1: again.
2: <laughs> no, you oh, you okay. haven't I'm exaggerating, but that, that's other editors, okay. but yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, uh, I just lost the point I was going to make, but that's okay. Sorry. I'm sure it wasn't that important. No, no, no. Uh, so we've been chatting Wolfgang, gang about uh, you know, our, ba- our backgrounds and with D and and stuff. And we, we were going to now switch over to talk about uh, empire of the ghouls and sort of the underworld in general, in D and D.
2: Ooh, I can talk to that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: cool so uh like yeah
2: how far back do you want me to go um (laughs) what's
1: what's so intriguing about that right because you and i probably started playing at similar times right late 70s early 80s yep that's right and the first adventures that i played were all you know you would be in town then you'd go to the dungeon then you would be in town then you'd go to the dungeon and then came like queen of the demon web pits right yeah, and then it was like, wait a second, there's something even darker and deeper than a dungeon, and and I,
2: know, I wanted all of that exactly. Like I saw it at uh, the D module series with like Trampier cover art printed in two colors, like purple,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was it was the seventies, yeah. and I think it was Vault of the Drow was on a hobby shop shelf, mm-hmm. and I just bought it immediately, thinking. This will be fun. And I read it and realized, oh, this is part three. Right. Um, I seem to, my players are all going to get wiped out. Um, but somehow I found Descent into the Depths and the Shrine of the Kuatons and, uh, uh, and Queen of the Demon White Pits. Yeah. I mean, what's so great about that is it is deeper than a dungeon. It's the natural world. You got to hike for days. And my favorite part as a game master is, okay, you can go down into the Underdark. But you can't really just bail for the village at every opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Right. A, a big part of the appeal for me was you're committed. You're going in. You're hiking through. I think Gygax said like you can't teleport around the Underdark. Wasn't that a
1: thing? It it, it seems to. I remember that. It was yeah. it was a long time ago.
2: Many brains. Or the the Underdark error table was heinously difficult, right? Right. right. So, so you you didn't want to teleport around, but Yeah, there's all these weird new monsters. Um, Like, (laughs) pretty much everything we think of as standard for the Underdark now is something Gygax invented in that series. And I loved it to pieces. So that's where I started. And then people did Night Below and other Mm -hmm. sorts of deep, deep, dark, Underdark stuff. Uh, The Dungeoneer Survival Guide talked about it. But for me, the next big Underdark thing was when I first moved out to Seattle um, to work at Wizards of the Coast. And I spent that first winter out here alone. Mm. Um, And it was dark Mm. and gray Mm. and miserable and awful. Um, And I took a little adjusting Mm -hmm. that much darkness. And that's the period when I wrote Kingdom of the Ghouls for Dungeon Magazine number 70. right? Um, Because it was just... Oppressive, and I think maybe some of that bled into the manuscript, and that's where the, the sort of ghoul society stuff came from.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I still remember seeing that article, you know that that adventure, and was like, wow, this this is exactly what I've always wanted as a DM, and I didn't even know it.
2: Yeah, uh, I know it was. And it's not even my idea, right? Like Roger Moore said the under, uh Roger Moore editor of Dragon for our younger listeners. Uh yeah. he uh he said the under the Underdark is, you know, Guy Guys is totally wrong. What a what a load of horseshit he said. uh, it should be uh the undead, vampires and ghouls and you know, liches should rule the under because there's not enough air and there's not enough food and right. he, got, he got all like practical about <laughs> it. Um and I'm like, well, you're right, Roger. The undead should actually be super efficient at ruling the Underdark. Right. I think that's a great idea. Do you mind if I write that up? And he said, oh, pff, I don't have time. I don't know. Not me. It's just an <laughs> idea. Run with it. I'm like, thank you, Roger. I think I will. And,
1: <laughs> and years later, we are continuing to run with it.
2: We're still running with it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Empire of the Ghouls came back again in 3.5, or rather Kingdom of the Ghouls was transformed formed into a whole empire. And then for fifth edition, just recently, mm-hmm. um, Empire of the Ghouls is now a three hundred and fifty page book that Megan knows better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, a full campaign. Is it 350?
0: 13, the I know because we don't have the physicals yet. So I'm like, I, it's hard to imagine that it being that big, but
2: it's enormous. Yeah. I, it's somewhere around there, plus another eighty pages of Underdark layers, sort of more generic layers, plus the Underdark or Underworld Player's Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a long way from a, you know, 20 page magazine article to yeah. hardcover three volumes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so Megan, what was it like to work on that sort of, uh, project apart from what you have been doing, right? you you've been working with monsters and you've been doing some adventures and some setting stuff. Uh, but this was a, this was a huge undertaking and it was a very, it's very specific. It's very different, at least in tone. Did it come across as different to you in your role working on the project?
0: I got really excited about it. Um, cause the, the whole, just the concept of an empire of, of an undead. Right. Um, and as far as it feeling different, I mean, I, I, I feel like every t- every project I have for Cobalt is very different than anything else I've ever seen or done. So I, you know, I just kind of roll with it at this point. So right. with Empire of the Ghouls, I was like, all right, this is what we're doing now. Um, but I really liked yeah. the concept of it. I thought that was really neat. Uh, and then when someone was like, yeah, you know, it was originally in, you know, Dragon Number Seventy or whatever Dungeon Number Seventy, and I was like, okay. So I went and looked it up, and I'm like, oh my god, I love Brahms' art because uh, he's like. <laughs> Yeah. he's my favorite artist. So I was like, all right, I'm sold on this. I mean, I don't even know what we're doing right now, but I'm sold on <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh. I mean, as far as the, the content, it was a little different. Um, but I think it was less of, for me as an editor, I didn't have to focus as much on what was different. Um, I had to focus more on making sure that it stayed the same. So, because um, mm. our writers are really good at taking weird things and keeping it weird. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the the thing that when I was editing that I tried to make sure to encourage the writers to do was The Empire of the Ghouls is an empire Right Mm -hmm. like they call themselves the people and that's because they are a people right like it This isn't just well the players get to go down there and slaughter everything because it's undead and obviously they're evil and they obviously need to die Um, (laughs) No, I mean this is a nation right like you have to have travel papers. You have to have a passport you know, there are certain rules. If you're a living creature, you were in this quarter, because if you're not in that quarter, you might get eaten, right? Like mm-hmm. there's, they have laws and structures and they have their hierarchy and it's a little weird, but it's still, we had to maintain that familiarity, right? Like mm-hmm. it still had to feel like a real nation. Like this is, this is a country or quote unquote country that does trade with other people. Their capital city has embassies for ambassadors and I think that was the bigger challenge was making sure that it still felt weird while also feeling very much like this is an actual nation. Sure. It's run by undead, but it's a nation.
1: Right. And, and, and that sort of nationhood and that sort of structure helps players and DMs, I think make that transition from the known to the unknown, right? It's, it's still, it's still got the laws. It's still got that, but it can get really weird within the structure that that you can cling to, uh, or the players can cling to, for a little bit of hope. Right. Because otherwise it might just be overwhelming darkness constantly.
0: Exactly, yeah. Like, chaos. We, we don't want it to yeah. be overwhelmingly weird. It had to have something recognizable. But yeah, it's still, it is not a safe place for living creatures to be. <laughs>
2: I think that's where it gets to be fun, though, right? It's like, well, this is a merchant and he's traveling from town to town selling his wares in the Underdark. He's a kobold and his pack animals are giant lizards, but still, we sort of know what that's about, right? Um, And then at some point, you know, what you were saying, Megan, about you've got the right papers, you're living in the right quarter. At some point, you realize we're in a we're in a city full of ghouls. There's thousands of them. There's a whole legion that defends the emperor. And we've got a piece of paper keeping them from eating us. But right. Right. Um, it starts to feel pretty mm, tenuous, yeah. which... It should at that point. Right, gone pretty deep.
1: Yeah, and and that's a tension that that you can sort of play with a little bit as the DF too, right? You can take the pressure off a little bit, but then put it put it on. Uh, yeah, let's, if, let's
0: go to the market and get some equipment. Oh look, that guy is selling dried eyeballs, and yeah. half a leg over there that's, as your you know vendor snacks. It's not a turkey leg; it's, it's a human foot.
2: A, it's a dark, dark place. Yeah. And I don't think it's for every campaign, but for people who don't mind the completely alien and horrific side mm-hmm. uh, of the undead, there's a lot to um, chew on. As
1: it <laughs> so, so what, um, as a player, what can you do different here that uh, using the rules that you put forth in your campaign
2: Oh, man. Well, there's a player's guide, and gosh, Sean, I think, I think there's a little chunk of that that's yours, just a, right? Just, just a <laughs> bit. Just a bit. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't write anything for the player's guide. I wrote mostly the setting stuff for the game master.
0: Well, you wrote the,
2: the, one of the way. races. Oh, and I wrote one race. Oh, God, I did write one race, and they were fun. <laughs> so the set are, are um, the children of Nidhogg, the dragon that gnaws at the roots of the world tree in Norse mythology, and they're basically an apocalyptic death cult that isn't super efficient about it. Like, some of them want to bring about the end of the world now, now, now. And others are like, yeah, what's your hurry? Um, we can always destroy the world tomorrow.
1: It's the laid-back version of the death cult, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's some hard chargers in there, too. Yeah. Are like, yeah, you lazy bums, get off your butts, let's destroy the world. Right. But, But there's, yeah, there's also the... Yeah. There's the big Lebowski center. Right. right? Exactly. Come on, man. Have a white Russian. Chill out. (laughs) Um, And they're they're a hideous race because I wanted to base them off of physically and in appearance, sort of like maggots or small gnawing insects, the sort of things that would Mm -hmm. devour the roots of the world tree. And the art um, by William O'Brien, I think, is is really kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. They are somewhere in between. Uh, how gross are they, Megan? Like in between Mind Flayer and I don't know, UMBER Hulk, somewhere in that territory.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I like um, he he gave him like that kind of eye, eyeless eyeball look, right? Like mm-hmm, I like yeah. that kind of you know the kind of milky eyeball. I like yep. that. That's nice and alien. But um, as far as what players can expect, I think one thing that Empire of the Goals does allow players to do better than in other campaigns is play the anti-hero
1: mm-hmm.
0: right like oh, yeah. we have a lot of like in our, our player's guide you can play a cool. so that's our, our ghoulish race right you can play darrow right. you can play all these things that are naturally from the underworld and you might not necessarily i mean you don't have to be a bad guy you can be a good guy and be these races but I think it definitely opens up a lot more opportunities to play that anti-hero, right? Like one of our backgrounds Mm -hmm. is you were a member of the empire and you deserted it. And then, um, an alternative, like a variant of that background is you were a slave in the empire and you escaped it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're doing this, this whole campaign to, to get back at right at, at your former masters or whatever, but, um, or you're trying to get back at the empire that you left because they were bastards and how dare they. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot more room to play that anti-hero type in, in this particular mm-hmm. campaign. Like a lot of the campaign is kind of focused on, well, not necessarily focused, but the idea is the players are still trying to save the world, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know we, don't, we don't want the world to end. Um, right. But just because you don't want the world to end doesn't necessarily mean you're a good guy. You could be a bad person that just happens to really like the world being where it is and how it is, right? Right, right. right. Um, so there's, I think, there's a little more room for that in in this campaign than in, I, I guess, some other campaigns, maybe because we have those kind of player options available.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, the quote-unquote evil campaign is something that at least once long-term players try, and very few succeed at. I think uh, because they they lose that focus of. You know, even if you're an evil character, you still have to have goals because the goals are what make the campaign. So, you know, you're chaotic evil and you just want to go around killing everybody. That's not a campaign. Um,
2: so, that's a short term. Yes, like Right.
1: That, that's a one shot. Yeah, That is one shot. It might be a very short one shot, uh, depending on your DM. But, yes. but you can still put together a story that allows those alternative goals and alternative methods while still being... "Quote unquote heroic," um, and and that's you know that's what I also what I love about this this setting is that I do think it allows those stories to be told organically. It's 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 easier to tell a story like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, and and with Empire of the Ghouls, I mean, it's not like everyone needs to be a villain or everyone needs to be an antihero because that there are a few parts of the story that kind of just at least is hoping that the PCs are good people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like as as long as you've got those kind of common goals of, you know, we want to stop this nation from doing whatever, you know, and some people might be like, I have to stop them because it's the right thing to do. And other people might be like, I have to stop them because I don't like them or I want to take over in their place or something, you know, like there's, there's different ways that people can go about that goal as, as long Mm -hmm. as we have that goal. Like you said, like you said, uh, that shared goal.
2: Right. Yeah, the campaign's about the goals, and, and Empire of the Goals has a, both short-term and long-term, a really nice structure. I mean, you kind of get sucked into it. Slowly, it's yeah. not like Chapter One: Welcome to the Deep Underdark. Right. Um, but but by the time you hit those mid levels, you're you're kind of ready for it.
1: So, what levels does the adventure include?
0: So we start them off
1: at first. Okay. Yeah. What, what was that Megan uh, one to
2: 13
1: one to 13 oh that's a that's a long that's a campaign you're not yeah, just and there's an
2: appendix at level 14 which is not required okay nice
1: nice so uh is there anything coming up in copold press that you would like to to talk about share any new projects or anything that you want to to push or anything like that
2: I mean I'm always willing to talk about what's coming and what's new the the most exciting stuff we've got cooking at the moment besides Empire of the Ghouls um is we've got uh Deep Magic for 5th edition D&D mm-hmm. which is a compilation of new schools and styles of magic it's about 700 and spells 700 and something like that um New arcane traditions, 20 new domains for clerics, new styles of druids, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much something for every spellcasting class. Wow. And it's material we've been working on mm-hmm. since like 2015. Right. So,
1: so is that, that's, that's what you're working on now? It's not available yet?
2: Uh, it is headed to press. Wow. It is not available yet. It kickstarted last year. Okay. And it did really well. We threw in a lot of extra stretch goals. We actually took some spells from uh, Kickstarter backers. Nice. So there's some some wild curveball type spells mm-hmm. um, that went in there. Um, but there's also things that relate to Empire of the Ghouls. There's like blood magic and certain types of necromancy and mm-hmm. spells for villain. There's a whole appendix on um, I think of it as as the magic that is for the game master, right? Give it to the DM. Don't give it to the players because it's the Cthulhu Mythos magic, the blood magic, the void magic, the stuff that corrupts your soul, right? Like, you could give it to the players. It could be a really interesting story. Saying, "I only wanted to use a little blood magic to save my friend," <laughs> right?
1: Until the blood, until, until the blood gods come a calling.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. and then suddenly it seemed like a bad decision. Yeah. Um But yeah, that that hardcover is is not going to be out till probably first week of August, I'd say.
1: Okay. And the Empire of the Ghouls was also a Kickstarter and that is now available in PDF uh, digital format. Is that correct?
2: It is. And also it's available for your virtual tabletops. The full campaign is built up on Roll20 platform and the Fantasy Grounds platform. Nice. Um, So those are are good. Mm -hmm. And we just got the good news from the press um, before the holiday here uh they're they're opening up they're going to finish binding the books um sometime in june they will wrap up printing and we hope to have uh printed versions by late july
1: okay available at the cobalt press store
2: yes uh and i think both might be available for pre-order as well so uh, if you want to secure your copy or get it in the first Mm -hmm. wave shipped out all right. By all means.
1: Don't wait for a convention because we don't know when those will be again.
2: I miss conventions. Me yeah. Uh, me too. Me too.
1: Well, I want to thank you both for coming on and talking about your uh, work with Cobalt Press and the Underworld, Under Dark Empire of the uh, Ghouls specifically.
2: Sure. Thanks for having us.
1: So, uh, I am going to say thank you to some of our patrons, Scott Ryder, Sean P. Kelly, Stephen Bissonette, Steve Redabaugh, T. Koustik, Ted Atkinson, Victor Wyatt, and Zach Goines. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, Wolfgang, where can people find you and your work on social media?
2: Well, we do have a Patreon. Yes. <laughs> called Warlock. So patreon.com slash cobalt press. We do a bunch of stuff there. A bunch of my writing appears in that. Uh, but you can also find me online on Twitter as at Monkey King, and of course, cobaltpress.com, uh, and oh, probably Facebook, and oh, I don't know, I'm missing someplace. <laughs> oh, YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, Instagram. Uh, uh Instagram. Everywhere. Yeah.
2: You name it. Cobalts are everywhere. They're hard to get rid of they, once they start to invest.
1: They are and they li- And they they trap everything too. So you gotta be careful. Yeah. And Megan, where can people find you?
0: Uh well mostly I'm just on Twitter with uh GM Moonwolf. Uh but yeah, Wolfgang mentioned Facebook. We do have the Cobalt Press fan page. It's cobalt press and midgard on Facebook. Uh, and I do know that Wolfgang and I will answer questions on there. So when people have, you know, lore questions related to the world or questions related to how certain monsters work or something like that.
2: Um, that's a fun now. community. Yeah. Like the artists come out of the woodwork, the cartographers, yeah. the designers of the various events. So yeah. that fan group is really lively.
1: Yeah. I think I get yeah, tagged recently. more there than on any place else on Facebook. <laughs> so that's, it is, it is a we have questions? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very uh, lively community. That's it's true.
0: Yeah, there were even some recent questions about Empire of the Ghoul since it did release in PDF forms. So there have been a lot of people asking questions about you know, ways to run it and how to do certain things with the Dara cool and all that.
1: Well, I cannot wait to run my copy of it. I know that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to the Misdirected Mark forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com to talk about D&D. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of encoded designs. Hey, Megan. I know that you've been editing a lot of monsters. So what are you going to do now?
0: I'm definitely going to go edit some
1: more monsters and try not to kill too many. There
0: you go. You're done with DND and Yeah, you know me. You're done with DND and Yeah, you know me. done with D&D. Who's done with DND You are done with d and You're done with D&D. I'm done with DND done with DND.